It is a joy and a privilege to be in God's house today. And whether we're here together in this room or next door in the educational building, uh, the Lord calls us to join our hearts together as one people, as the church, the body of Christ, to praise Him. The Lord calls us to worship from Psalm 66. Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of His name. Make His praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. O bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of his praise to be heard, who keeps our soul among the living and does not allow our feet to be moved. Amen. today as your people coming before your throne as those who need help from the Lord. We pray to you, Lord, that you would lift up the Lord Jesus in our minds and in our hearts, that we would see his glory and behold his beauty, that we would see and hear the gospel today and believe it in our hearts by faith. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that everything that is done in your house today in singing and hearing and reading would be for the glory of Jesus Christ alone and for the sake of His name. And Lord, we pray now together as You taught Your disciples to pray, saying out loud together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
This morning for our confession of faith, we're reciting the Apostles' Creed together. If you'd like to turn there in your hymnal, it's on page 845. I'm going to begin by asking you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. And the third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and stood on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear these words of assurance from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me, hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God. For He will abundantly pardon. Amen. Turn in your hymnal to page 523 as we continue to worship singing, My Hope is in the Lord.
and the children can come forward at this time for the children's sermon.
would even, even today learn what it means to be patient before you and to wait and to trust your hand and your timing in their life. Lord, I pray that they would also delight to do the things that you call them to do, that they would hear your word and obey, and that they would delight to walk in your ways and love you and feel your joy and presence in their life. In your name, amen. Thank you. This morning for our responsive reading, turn to page 805 in your hymnal. We're going to be reciting out loud together Psalm 53. Page 805, Psalm 53. I'll begin with the light portion and please respond out loud together with the bold. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Will the evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread and who do not call on the Lord? God scattered the bones of those who attacked you. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. Let's stand together as we continue to worship, singing hymn number 533, I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice.
And let us pray. Father, we thank You for the privilege that it is to come before Your throne of grace to pray and to raise our petitions to You. That as we have come today to worship You, we also come bringing our hearts. We don't leave our lives aside or in the car or at the door. We come with our cares and our concerns. And Lord, we come to bring them to Your feet. That You would hear us because of the Lord Jesus Christ and answer our prayers for His sake. Lord, we do raise to You Josh and Gina Rieger, our missionaries. And Lord, we pray that You would particularly be with her as she has recently gone through surgery, that You would minister the Gospel to her soul to remember and to know that You are with her. Lord, we pray that You would also comfort her to know that You are the great physician who cares for our bodies. And Lord, I pray for both of them that You would give them strength and encouragement as they have a desire to serve You and to serve Your people and to share the Gospel with those who don't know You. Lord, I pray that You would fill them with Your Spirit, give them confidence and assurance of Your presence in their lives, that You would also remind them of Your promises as they seek to serve You. Lord, we do also pray and pause in our hearts to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering under affliction. Lord, we pray that You would be with those who are fleeing in the Ukraine, those who have chosen to stay and to serve others. Lord, we pray that You would be working in the hearts of Your people there to share the Gospel, that lost souls would hear the truth and the reality of life. Lord, we pray for those in the Ukraine and in Russia and Korea and other parts of the world, Lord, that need to hear the Gospel, that desperately do, that You would fill Your people with grace, that You would send them out. And Lord, we do pray, uh, knowing that Your Word says that You are the one who turns the heart of kings, that You set up nations and You take them down, that all these things happen according to Your power. And we pray, Lord, that You would have mercy on Your people and that You would give them grace to be sustained in the midst of great trials. In Your name, Amen.
morning to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. This morning's sermon is entitled, Fasting to See God. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 16 through 18. This is the word of the Lord. Moreover, when you fast, Do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says that the standard of righteousness that must exist in the kingdom of God is perfection. He then goes on to explain three ways that this righteous perfection is demonstrated in the hearts of His people and has gripped their hearts in such a way that they live for the kingdom of God and not for themselves. He explained it's done through charitable giving, through prayer, and then lastly today, in fasting. Nearly every religious person that heard Jesus speak in that day participated in these three, giving and prayer and fasting. None would disagree. The issue that Jesus speaks to in this passage is the hypocritical practice of each of them that did so to earn something from God, that believed a transaction could be done, that He will listen, that He will bless me if I do this thing. If I do this work, He will be gracious to me. Or maybe also to look good to other people. To simply give or to pray with nice words or to fast and to look like it so that people would see us and say, oh, look how holy they are, how close to God they must be, how righteous They must be to Him. We learned that giving that is pleasing to God is done without a parade. It is truly to bless the one who has a need. And with a view to God providing for us. That our provision comes from Him. Not from the strength of our back or the sweat of our brow. But we give knowing that it is His kingdom that we give to. We also learned last week and over the last several weeks as we looked at the model prayer that Jesus gave His disciples, that God hears our prayers not for the repetition of our words or for the the spiritual phrases that we use, 
But because of Jesus, we are heard at God's heavenly throne. As we come to the Lord with a humble heart that seeks His glory alone and makes petitions by faith, those are the prayers that the Lord, our Heavenly Father, delights to hear. In the same way, fasting that pleases God is done to seek His face and His glory alone, not to exalt ourselves or to look spiritual or religious to those who might notice us, or to get God off of our back as though He's a taskmaster barking orders, and that the only way that He will see or hear us or put His hand on our lives is if we go through the checklist and get it all done. Throughout the sermon today, I want to share with you verses from a hymn. The hymn is entitled, Satisfied. I wanted to share the first verse with you. This hymn was written by Clara Williams. Verse number one says, All my life long I had panted for a drink from some cool spring that I hoped would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within. This is what fasting is about. We'll come back to this hymn throughout the sermon today. I want to answer two questions this morning as we look at this passage. And hopefully these are questions that are in your mind and in your heart. And that these are things that you can learn about what the Bible says about fasting. And why it's significant for us even today. The first question I want to answer is, what is Jesus' teaching on fasting? And secondly, why should we fast? Why should we as God's people, the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, why should we fast? First, what is Jesus teaching on fasting? In verses 16 and 17, it seems to be clear that Jesus has an understood assumption among his people, those who belong to his kingdom, that they will fast. He says, when you fast, in verse 16. And then in verse 17, but you, when you fast. He has a different standard than what the outside, showy, religious practice was. He assumes they're going to practice it. And he tells them how they should do it. Jesus' understanding on fasting is rooted in the biblical practice. The actual practice that God gave to His people. That it is coupled with prayer. It is never something that is done on its own. It is a means to an end. To cause our hearts to seek the Lord. To be in His presence. We're not just giving something up when we fast. And notice that it is something that Jesus is speaking to them as an us about. As the church. Throughout the Old Testament, God's people were called to fast together. To seek the Lord together. It is not only a private, personal religious practice. It is also something that God's people have historically done together. They did so for many reasons, for several reasons. I want to give you three. First, for humiliation because of our sin. In Leviticus chapter 23, God commanded His people that on the Day of Atonement, they would do no work at all. They would consecrate themselves to the Lord. They would fast and He repeats Himself. You will do no work and you must afflict your soul in My presence. And he says that it's so serious that they take this day and walk before him in fear and holiness. That anyone who did not afflict his soul, if he was known to have not done so, he was to be killed among God's people. He was to receive judgment for not taking this day seriously. Humiliation because of sin. Because of our offense to a holy and a righteous God. That was one of the reasons why God's people did this. To be humble. 
before the Lord to mourn over their sin and their lack of faithfulness. They were to come ready to give sacrifices, not just to give things and try to buy God's forgiveness, but to come and to sacrifice themselves and their hearts, to give their sin to the Lord that He would take it away from them. A second reason was for lamenting, for lamentation, for ill that was anticipated or that had been experienced, for some bereavement among God's people, a tragedy or a defeat in battle. And lastly, to identify with those who were poor. In Joel chapter 1, the land of God's people had been laid to waste. Worship was not possible. The crops were not going to be harvested. They could not come and bring grain offerings to the Lord. And the prophet Joel says, Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to Him. They were to do it together as God's people to mourn over sinfulness and to also lament tragedy that had happened in their midst. Lastly, a third reason in the Bible why fasts were done was for consecration, for preparation for an event or a special appointment. Moses fasted on the mountain when he received the law of God. And Paul and Barnabas, it says, there was fasting among God's people before they laid their hands on them and sent them out on missionary journeys. It was significant to be before the Lord, to be prepared, to pray that He would speak and that He would go. Not that people would go out in their own strength, but that He would be among His people, filling them with His Spirit. That He would guide them and give them success. The power and the significance of a fast is in one's heart posture before the Lord and their resolve to seek Him. It's never a show to be seen or a task to check off of your list. As if to say, okay, I skipped that meal. Now I can get back to real life. I satisfied what God required of me. As though walking away from one meal demonstrates anything about righteousness and holiness and sorrow over sin. It was simply not something to do and be done with. It was something to enter into with your heart. To be in God's presence. In Isaiah chapter 58, the Lord speaks through His prophet against a fast that has no heart connection with the Lord in it. The people say, speaking through the prophet, Why have we fasted and you haven't seen us? Why have we afflicted ourselves and you didn't take notice? The people were supposedly fasting, but their fast was condemned by God ultimately because of personal indulgence, because of exploiting the laborers in their midst and those who worked for them and doing harm to those in need and not helping them. They had prostituted worship of the living God to serve themselves. Well, we're fasting. We're going through the motions, Lord. We did what you told us to do. But God over and over said, these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That was the message that he spoke through the prophets. Come back to the Lord. Come back into his presence. Confess your sin. Be in his presence. Acknowledge reality. Know who you are. Don't deny what you've done. Jesus is telling his followers that when they fast, They are to act normally so that no one but God will know they're doing it. No voluntary act of self-discipline is to become an occasion for self-promotion. Not for you to feel better about you or to look at yourself and say, okay, I did it. 
Now I can have some hope. God will love me. He'll hear me. He will forgive me because I did it. You're never to be able to find that kind of resolution in yourself. You should never have self-confidence that what I have done has earned anything from God. We are in His presence because of His Son and by His grace and His sacrifice for His people. Otherwise, any value to the act is lost. If our acts of righteousness are not primarily done in secret before Him, then secretly they may be done to please men. The real beauty of righteousness must not be tarnished by sham, says D.A. Carson. So number one, what is Jesus teaching on fasting? I want to share with you verse number two from the hymn, Satisfied. Feeding on the filth around me till my strength was almost gone. Longed my soul for something better, only still to hunger on. Where is your hunger? Where is your appetite today? Why should we fast? Why do God's people fast? Why is it a discipline that is good for our souls as well as it is good for our bodies? Why do we fast and why should you fast? First, to seek God, to see His face. In verse 17, it says, as Jesus taught His people, He told them that the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The reward that we seek is not something that God would put in our hand or our bank account or in our family. The reward that we seek is God Himself, not any of His gifts. When we fast, our bodies grow weak. When you give up a meal or a day of meals, your body grows weak and it reminds you That we don't live by our own strength or our own provision or our own planning. You skip one meal and you feel it. You skip two and you start to notice it. You skip a day's worth of meals and you maybe even start to grumble a little bit. Why should we fast? We should fast as God's people to nourish our hunger for God and to reduce our hunger for this world. We ought to fast because our physical appetites are so intense that they threaten to overwhelm our hunger for God. The greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie, says John Piper. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but mindless nibbling at the table of this world. It is not the X-rated video, but the prime time dribble of triviality we drink in every night. When Jesus tells us what keeps us from entering the kingdom in Luke chapter 14, from sitting at his banquet table, he doesn't mention Satan. He mentions a plot of land and several yoke of oxen and a newly married wife. John Piper goes on to say that the greatest adversary of the love of God is not his enemies, but his gifts. And the most deadly appetites are for the simple pleasures of the earth. For when these replace an appetite for God Himself, the idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. Why does the Word of God not take root in our hearts? Why is it we can read it every day and in moments we've forgotten what we read? Why is it that we can't enter into a text and walk with Jesus throughout the day and work it through in our minds and see the ways in which we don't honor the Lord, we don't walk with Him. There are areas of new obedience that we should be seeing. In Mark chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus says that the desire for other things come in and choke out the Word of God. It's our desires. 
We're wanting something else. We come to the well of living water and we desire another drink. We come to the one who called himself the bread of life and are dissatisfied with what he gives us. Why should we fast? Number one, to see God. Why should we fast? Number two, to preach the gospel to our souls, to ourselves. We need to hear the gospel. We need to hear it even in our appetites. We're no longer slaves to our appetites. Turn, if you will, over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to begin in verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will in, not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says in verse 11, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. We fast to preach the gospel to our soul. The things that Paul just listed are things that are desires in our heart for good things. Things that God has given us. But the whole list demonstrates that our hearts are not able to be temperate on their own. You can't regulate it. Your desires are too powerful for you. The whole list, go through it again. Those who are covetous, idolaters, fornicators. All of these things after good things that our God has given us. And yet we make them the ultimate thing in life. And it's the only thing that we will seek. We do this in fasting. We say to the Lord and to ourselves, I'm not going to be a slave to my appetite. Such were some of you. We used to walk in those ways. But Paul is clear. He says, I'm not going to be mastered by anything. Look at verse 12. Still in 1 Corinthians 6. All things are lawful for me, but... All things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. In the English Standard Version, in the NIV, it says, I will not be mastered by anything. God has given me anything and everything to enjoy within His bounds and according to His Word. And I can enjoy anything He has given, but I won't be mastered by anything. And certainly not by my stomach or my own desires. In verse 13, there was a saying among the Corinthians, food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food. They were saying that if the body has an appetite for food or for sex or anything else, it must be satisfied. And the sooner the better. We fast in part to show that we are not animals. We're not slaves to appetites that we have. More than that, we fast to show that we have a hunger that exceeds our hunger for food. The problem for many of us begins when we form the habit of satisfying our desires soon after we feel them. Are you hungry? Why wait until supper? Just grab a candy bar, an apple, or a handful of peanuts. And the problem deepens for us when we declare ourselves content once we have met every craving. That is a slippery slope. If the only time that you can be content is when you don't have to wait, when you can satisfy it now, as we were talking about with the children this morning, then you will be a slave to your desires. And that will be what you serve. 
Paul said, I will be mastered by nothing, though everything is permissible for me within God's design and order in this world. I will not be mastered by anything. He said, I am the slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we heard in Sunday school this morning, Paul told the Jews in Rome, as he called the leaders to himself, he said, I am here and in hope of these chains that the Lord has put on me. I am a slave of the Lord to do his will. I won't be a slave to myself or to my desires. I want to read verse number three from the hymn Satisfied. Poor I was and sought for riches, something that would satisfy. But the dust I gathered round me only mocked my soul's sad cry. Why should we fast? Because only Jesus can deal with the issues of our hearts. Fasting makes us consider what we do with our unhappiness. Richard Foster wrote a book called The Celebration of Discipline. And as he studied the practice of fasting and spiritual disciplines over a period of almost a hundred years, he couldn't find one Christian book published on this discipline. That God's people may have been practicing it and may have been walking before the Lord faithfully, but no one wrote on it to instruct God's people about faithful ways to serve the Lord in this discipline. So he decided to write a book, Celebration of Discipline, in which he lays out fasting and praying and many other disciplines, scripture reading, spending time with the Lord, giving. And as he says in his book, we use food and other good things to cover up the sins inside of us. If pride or sensuality or anger or bitterness or jealousy or strife or fear, if they are within us, they will surface when we are fasting. At first we rationalize that our anger is due to our fasting. Well, if I ate, I would probably feel better. If I ate, this wouldn't bother me or she wouldn't get on my nerves the way that she is. But because I'm fasting, because I want to serve the Lord, this is why it's happening. Eventually we realize that the anger is ours. It's not something out there. It's something in here. There's still a problem that has to be dealt with. It's inside us. It's not out there. And that knowledge can lead us to seek healing in Christ. This revelation of anger and bitterness questions us. Will we cover our distress with food? Will we eat fine fare so that the good feelings can balance out the bad? Or will we take our hunger to the Lord? Have you gone to the Lord with those pains, with those difficulties? Do you know what it is to fast and to be hungry? Martin Luther said that one of the reasons we don't fast and we don't see God moving in a particular way as others did in other generations is because we're so accustomed to being satisfied with food and the things of this world. And when your belly is full, when you don't have a sense of desperation before the Lord, you are usually, he says, no good for reading the gospel, no good for praying, no good for hearing the word of truth, because you've been satisfied with other things. You don't have a heart that's desperate before the Lord. But if you do, then you look to Him to feed you. You look to Him to take care of you. The issue is broader than food. Fasting, according to Martin Lloyd-Jones, is abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself for the sake of a spiritual purpose. Anything. We could fast from any physical blessing that threatens to become our first love. 
One person could fast from televised news for a week in order to devote that time that they would typically spend watching the news to God and to being in His presence. Another could fast from shopping for a period of time for anything other than food. Anything that you know masters your heart is an opportunity and a welcomed chance to be in God's presence. Anything that might master your soul, He says, come here and I'll feed you. I will do it. Lastly, we fast to prepare ourselves now to be satisfied with Jesus forever. In John chapter 6, Jesus unmistakably speaks to His people. He tells them about Himself and He reaches all the way back to the Old Testament and speaks to all of God's people about their need to be fed and their desire to be satisfied. He says in John chapter 6, verse 27, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. Verse 27. Then He goes on to say, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. It was their objection. The people said, well, we, we know what bread from heaven is. Our fathers received it from Moses. We are of his stock, by the way, Jesus. Do you know who we are? And Jesus responds and says, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. My father gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verses 32 and 33. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. The refrain for that hymn satisfied reads like this, Hallelujah! He has found me, the one my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies all my longings. Through His blood I now am saved. And the last verse Well of water, ever springing, bread of life, so rich and free, untold wealth that never faileth, my Redeemer is to me. Fasting to see God, to be in His presence, to know and to remind your soul and your stomach and all the desires in your heart that might be disordered. I will not be mastered by anything And I will feed upon Christ in His presence. My hunger will not drive me to the store to spend money I don't need to spend on things I don't really need to have. It won't send me to the refrigerator. It won't send me anywhere else. It will drive me to my Savior. To be fed by Him. To be in His presence. To be nourished. Those other things are nothing but an endless pit in and of themselves. They are the blessings of God. But to put all of your hope in them is to forever be enslaved to them. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us so many good things, wonderful things, as blessings from your hand. And we cry out to you, Lord, asking for forgiveness because we confess we have made the gifts that you have given us the apple of our eye, and not joy in Your presence. We have delighted in the things that You put in our hands and in our bellies and in our bank accounts. 
and not in your word and your grace that you have lavished on us. And we cry out to you, Lord, that you would cleanse us, cause us to see the beautiful Lord Jesus Christ for who he is and to be truly satisfied in his presence. And may the things of this world be gravel in our mouths that we would only be satisfied in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we respond to the Word of God, let's stand together and sing hymn number 499, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me.
thank you for the opportunity and the privilege that it is to give our tithes and our offerings for the sake of your glory and your name alone. We pray, Lord, that you would give us a gift in our giving today, that we would be granted faith from you to believe and to hope in your provision for ourselves and for our families. And Lord, we take an opportunity to pray for those who among us are struggling and who financially don't see a way for ends to meet. Lord, we pray that you would meet their need, that you would superabundantly give in ways that they would not even be able to explain. And we pray, Lord, that you would do this for the sake of your glory and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and his name to be known. In your name we pray. Amen. We have men's Bible study tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. We'll have dinner and then our study at 7.30. We're studying Ephesians chapter 1 together. Receive the benediction of our Lord. Now may the God who never abandons you and never lets go of you go before you in your darkness, stand before you in your fears, and make you faithful in your temptations until Jesus comes again. Amen. Amen.